Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, everyone, and welcome uh, back to Ausbiz Live from our Barangaroo studios. You have tuned in to the call for the next 60 minutes, 10 stocks, Picked by you, I put them to our expert panel. We do it, as I say, all in one hour. It is Wednesday, the 18th of January. Let's introduce today's panel to the best, Michael Wayne from Medadium Financial. Michael, good to see you. Good to be back for the 2023. Yeah, good to have you back. And Carl Kapalinga from Fleet Markets in the West. Uh, Carl, good to see you, sir. Yes, absolutely. Good afternoon, Koshi. And uh, good to have the old team back. Great to see you, Michael, as well. Yeah. um, Now, Carl. Right off the bat, before Christmas, you (laughs) said you would sell everything if the ASX 200 got to 7,600 before the end of the year. It didn't. December was... No, it didn't quite get there. Yeah, December was sort of quite nervy and a bit of a down month. No Santa rally because we had a big one in November. But January, we have come back with a boom. And I'm just checking the ASX 200 then. It's only down a fraction... Uh, today, uh, but it's only 217 points off 7,600. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very close. It's come well, back. December didn't really, did, well, did, it has come back. December didn't really go to plan. So that was no. the key part of my prediction is that seasonally you get this Santa Claus rally and in, then January's not very good if you look over the data over the last 10 to 20 years. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it, 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 it can get bad in March is, is probably the next thing. April's a big upswing, but we're getting uh, too far ahead of ourselves. Look, it, the seasonal patterns, Koshi, lies, stem lies, right. and statistics. Doesn't mean they're going to happen every time. But no, look, I stand by that call. It would have been, I think, a great opportunity to sell. I didn't get it. Um, we're getting close there this time. I, I don't think it's crazy. I think if we get up there, uh, lighten the load. I think take take some profits. Look, it'll have to be, uh, a, you know, go go through your portfolio chart yeah. by chart yep. uh, and see see which ones are kind of hitting the top ends of their ranges. Um, some of those big resource companies, BHP, Rio's, Fortescue, they're all the top end of their range. And there is a very well-defined range. You know, they get up the top, then they yep. pull back. So look, it's, hey, it's for the market timers, Koshi. I'm not speaking to the people that are, are buying a portfolio today and they're going to look at it a couple of times a year at the most, maybe when they get their statement and they're in it for the long haul. I'm talking to the, the people who are being a bit more active, trying to be, be a bit more savvy. Mm-hmm. With that, obviously, comes elevated risk. Right. But I will stand by the statement. I still think around that 7,600 mark, you can let a little okay. bit go. So you'd and take sell advantage BHP of, at the you take profits on BHP? I think you can take profits on BHP. I think BHP, Rare, Fortescue, I, I think you can lock a little bit of profit in and, tr- you know, try to buy that back a little bit cheaper down mm. the track. The risk is you're a little bit underweight. 
that doesn't mean you know there's, there's plenty of other stuff you could probably allocate with that capital yeah. um, that that may be just starting to turn up we're going to look at a few charts today in you know blue chip stocks that are just starting to turn up yeah. so switching from some of those that have had a, a, an amazing run to maybe some of those that are just yeah. turning up michael what do you think would you but your, your clients are a bit longer term aren't they rather right. than than trade so the bhps of the world the rios yeah look we hold bhp we don't hold fortescue or rio but we're happy to hold at the moment the momentum is great everyone's very yeah. optimistic about the china reopening story it looks like COVID may have peaked over there. Yeah. Um, but I just think that if you, you know, look back three or six months, and if you said back then that we'd be in this position today with, you know, inflation seemingly moderating, yeah. um, the global economy remaining very, fairly resilient, um, we would have taken it. We yeah. obviously got the US earnings season at the moment, which will, you know, provide some color on how companies are holding up. And then we've obviously got our own earnings season in February. But at the moment, we're feeling a little bit more optimistic, probably like a lot of people yep. in the market. Um, although, you know, things can reverse very quickly. Yeah, is it a so, so this is the question. But I think you've got to wait until you see earnings before you make that right. decision. Um, we still hold a fair bit of cash for clients, you know, anywhere between 10 and 20%, just depending on the clients. Yeah. Um, we have been easing a bit of money in early in the year, just, you know, to sort of jump on the back of the, the recent momentum. Um, however, we still remain Cautious, cautious but optimistic right. for the year ahead and then fingers crossed we can have a better year this yeah. year than we did last year but yeah, yeah. there's still a long way to go and, and the markets can shift on a dime as they say absolutely they're they're very uh very trigger happy at the moment let's take a look at the five stocks in uh that you want us to look at in this first half hour um good range there uh kogan of course in that retail theme we've been um, with uh, JB Hi-Fi and Super Retail the last couple of days, Baby Bunding, Santos, AUB, Ansel and Seven Group Holdings. Uh, stock of the day, I thought we'd take a look at Nickel Industries, is tapping investors for $673 million to expand its partnership with Chinese shareholder Shanghai Decent. The funds will be used to buy an indirect 10% stake in Shanghai Decent's Indonesian nickel coal cobalt project shares in the three billion dollar group last traded at a dollar 12. uh carl what do you think of nickel nickel industries and and the raise and uh what's it look like at the moment the, the raise appears to be happening at a dollar two so that it's that's a pretty typical discount isn't it so dollar yeah. 12 last traded price dollar two it could have been a lot worse, I think, for investors. Um, so that's, <laughs> I'm going to say, a minor minor positive. Uh, look, there's plenty of support for it, I think, down at around that dollar level. Just, I mean, that chart's a really uh, good example of what I'm looking at as well. So you can see there was a uh, obviously a bounce off that, that late October low uh, up to that point. So that big underperformance, got a lot of clients that follow this stock very closely. Uh, that was because nickel prices came off after the invasion of Ukraine. You can see that peak early in the year. Um, plus, you know, the Chinese property market's in a lot of trouble, Koshi. I know they're throwing money at it, but it's still in a lot of trouble. And these guys produce... Uh, the nickel, not for the electric vehicle batteries, the big growth story, they produce nickel for stainless steel production. Yeah. So that explains why, why, right. they've, why they've done so poorly. So this story is very much pegged to the China reopening play. That's why you got to the end of October and it's accelerated even further than the underlying nickel prices because it's more about the, they produce a different type of nickel, nickel pig iron. It's a lower grade. It goes from Indonesia, where they're based, all their, all their operations, it goes straight to China, right? So the, the LME... Um, 
the London Metals Exchange, nickel price is almost irrelevant to them. It's all about right. their, their contracts into China, right? So it's a China recovery play. The, now we get to today's placement. Today's placement is about funding a, a very small, at least initially, investment into the nickel mat area. Okay, so nickel mat is a higher grade nickel that's used for electric vehicle production. Uh, Singshan Holdings, which is nickel uh, industries partner in the Indonesian nickel operations, came up with quite a controversial uh, process for converting nickel pig iron, very low grade nickel, into nickel mat for electric, mm -hmm. electric vehicle batteries. And uh, that announcement caused uh, nickel to go limit down uh, we, we talked about this. We probably right. talked about this uh, a year, uh, maybe yep. 18 months ago. I don't know if you remember. Yep. Um, caused huge volatility in that it basically changed the whole dynamics of the nickel market. You could just create, you know, this high-grade battery material from very low-grade uh, uh, nickel. So it seems that process is working. Um, this Shanghai Decent is using that process to to, uh, to actually make nickel mat. They've produced a very small amount of it at this time, uh, and and. This, uh, this announcement here is to, to, to get 10% of skin in that game, amongst a few other things, including paying down paying down debt and funding on, on operations. I know there's a lot to unpack there, um, but I, I think I've covered enough of it yeah. for viewers. In terms of the technicals, happy to hold it. Let's see where it opens. Look, who, who knows? But if it opens, this will be actually a really good indicator. If it opens at 112, this is the most amazing thing to ever happen. The fact it didn't come back to that discount price, it's yeah. probably going to open back to a dollar. I think you can still hold it there. If it closes beneath, I'll give you a number here, uh, that low there, 90. If it closes 93 or less, then it's telling you that market didn't like this announcement. Right. But as long okay. as it's staying above that, I'm okay. All right, Michael? Yeah, interesting business. It's made the transition really from an explorer and nickel miner solely um, into a more sort of downstream um, processor of nickel metals and, and that's the transition the business has been really focused on making. Um, as Carl you know, rightly points out, the focus historically has been primarily or if not entirely on stainless steel, um, the nickel used to produce stainless steel. However, they are looking to shift um, that somewhat and get a bit, of, a bit of diversity in the mix of products that they're able to provide to the market. And they want to have EV on their marketing. That's right. They want to be able <laughs> to say they're <laughs> aligned to the booming uh, electric vehicle space. So yeah, yeah it, it's look, it's probably not the worst decision in the world, just given the state of the Chinese housing market. Um, they have an arrangement already with, with this Chinese um, or China decent um, with regards to the Oracle project, yep. um, which is a mine that's up and running now and in production ahead of schedule. I think it's due for um, it's, it's due to come to market all that um, production in February. So that will also help um, improve sort of the balance sheet a little bit. Um, it's not a business that we hold. It's not one we've done that much research into in the past, just given that the fact that was uh, firstly aligned to the Chinese property space, but also some of the, the hype that was in the nickel price around that Ukraine-Russia um, uh, war that's unfolding. So from, from my standpoint, I'll wait for this capital raising to wash through the system. Yeah. Um, often you do see some weakness after a capital raising such as this before looking at it if you are interested. But at the moment, it's not one that's on our radar. Right. So I'm happy to go with a hold just right. because if those people are in it, you'd want to likely hold and see what the outcome of this capital raising and potentially um, you're able to pick up some more shares at a discount. Okay. All right. Let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And Michael David wants to be on Kogan, the big uh, online retailer. We've had sort of mixed results from retailers over the last yeah. week with their trading updates, haven't we? It's been 
pretty good if you're, you know, JB Hi-Fi or, yeah. or Super Retail Group. Um, not good if you're baby bunting. Not if you're baby bunting. Um, <laughs> hasn't been good in, in recent times for Kogan either. Looking no. at over the last sort of 12 months, they were initially a major beneficiary of the COVID story. That obviously washed through the system and they've been struggling significantly really ever since. Um, so it's come back a long way, the share price. But if you look at sort of the key metrics, um, things like gross sales were down 40% at the end of September. Um, you look at things like exclusive brands, you know, down 50% odd, um, you know, active customers down 13%. So those things are never, um, are never things you want to see for a business. And you'd have to be pretty game to be jumping in God, right look now. Look at that five-year chart, yeah. 24 <laughs> bucks during COVID. Yeah, it's a serious beneficiary and really feeling the effects now. Um, from my point of view is it's probably too early, even if you did like this business and were looking at jumping in at some point, probably too early to jump in until you start to see yeah. those sales numbers. Look, if you got in now and those sales numbers really improved and active customers really improved, then you'll do really, really well. Yeah. But you're obviously taking a bit of a punt on that being the case. And for the more conservative investor, it's probably better to wait. But I just struggled with, with Kogan. Um, obviously, it's in the e-commerce space. It's probably got better runway to growth than a lot of those bricks and mortar type businesses if they can pull it off. But it's a pretty intense space yep. to be operating. Everyone obviously throws out the, the Amazon comparison and things like that. And the corporate governance around Kogan, many have, have questioned that in the past. Yep. Um, where I sit on that is probably yet to be decided, but you've had the founders sell down large chunks of shares, often at much higher prices than it is today and often before updates or just you know at the, in the nick of time. So there's a, there's a bit to think about there, but for mine, I'm gonna go and, and, and avoid at the moment. It's probably, right. Look, it's pr pretty depressed to be saying a sell, so I'm happy if you've been in it for a long time to hold it, but I'm not rushing in right. to buy. And particularly because we have so many good retailers yeah, that's <laughs> to true. choose from. If you're, if you're looking at, uh, at your portfolio on a sector basis, uh, in the retail sector, you wouldn't put Kogan in the top five retailers. Unlikely. Uh, yeah. Um, Carl, what do you think of Kogan? Is a chart? Hello, Church. <laughs> yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, the well, the chart. I mean, last time I was on, I'm just checking my notes here. November 23, I said it's a hold. If it closes above 360, buy it. If it closes above 390, add to it. Mm. Um, so it goes to show you wouldn't have bought it based yeah. on the fundamentals because that was just yeah. after their update. Their update was was awful. It was like worst case scenario. Um, sales are down, profits are down, you know, margins are, are down. But the chart was turning around. It was showing you that the fund managers are looking past that update into the future. I'm guessing they had a really good Black Friday and Christmas. That's my guess. Um, but look, I think if you if you did get on it on that suggestion, I think you hold on to it. I think the price action is still very, very good. So I'm talking about less about uh, what we know about the, the company. Um, that's all in the market. I'm talking about what fund managers, are, how they're positioning themselves yep. for the next update, which is coming out in a month. Right. So what we're seeing here is basically the market's predicting or it's telling you that the next update is going to be much better than the last one. Right. You're kind of looking at that chart, don't have to be a genius to figure that out. Um, you know, the fund managers are not investing on the past, they're invest investing on their ex expectations of the future. So look, I still think it looks very good. I think maybe the only risk here, Koshi, is they come out with that really great report in February, and because it's all factored in, it, yeah. it, 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 it pulls back, you know, there's that risk of disappointment. Oh, a bit like so, JB Hi-Fi's <laughs> good result the other day and ended the day down. It, yeah, well, look, it's back up today. Back up and again, moment, you, it, yeah. well, that's another good example, isn't it? Of you Look at that chart, because that was rallying into that announcement. 
And I don't want to say there's insider trading out there, Koshi. I would not of suggest that you at would all. Not say that. <laughs> but I tell you what, some of these things, you know, you look at them and, you, and you, it's a great result, and you go, well, it was already up. And, yep. and that's why it's down on the day because the, the, the people who got in three months ago are, are locking in their profits. Of course, yep. it's down on the day. And then everybody else the next day goes, well, that actually was a good result. And then they start to buy. It could be the case here. Look, long story short, hang on to it. Watch out. There's a level there at just above five, between five and 520. Mm. That's the big high from August. If it can clear that, then I think there's plenty more in this. Mm. So, so hold it and then watch and see how it goes above that. Okay. All right. Uh, next stock that viewers want us to take uh, a look at is Santos. Catherine wants a view on this, Carl, the, uh, the big gas producer. Now, as I keep saying, the, uh, everyone has their own ESG filters. If you don't want to be in energy, well, you add your filter. We can just look at these companies purely on investment potential and business potential, and then you add your individual ESG on top of that. Yeah, look, no, absolutely fair enough. I mean, they are making, well, they've got big plans. I wouldn't say, well, it's not right to say they haven't done much. They do have a, a carbon capture storage facility yep. already going in Queensland. So that is very much testing that out. Um, their plan effectively is to transition from, uh, you know, a, an energy producing company to a carbon capturing company. Yep. So that's, that's, maybe down the track. So maybe that helps you with your, your ESG concerns. Look, in the meantime, 100%, they're energy. They're, they're, the, they're, you know, they're nasty in that regard, aren't they? Because they produce a whole heap of um, natural gas. Much of it goes to domestic consumption, mainly on, uh, well, the, through the Northern Territory and the East Coast. Uh, I want to say 37%, I've got my notes here, yep. well done, Carl. 50% uh, goes to LNG. So they take the same natural gas, instead of giving it to all of us here to make our gas prices nice and cheap, they condense it, putting it on those big ships and send it to China, okay? Yep. That's 50% of the business. And just the remaining 13%, this might surprise a few people, because I know a lot of my clients say, oh, uh, oil, and, oil. I want an oil company, oil's going up, I want an oil company, I'll go buy Santos. Oil's only 13% of what mm. they do. It's a yeah. very, very small amount. And for Woodside, it's very small as well, just in case you didn't know. Um, look, bottom line is, it's not my favourite. I think I've said that a few times. I know Michael and I have done Santos a few times. I know it's Michael's favourite, so I better not say anything bad about Santos, okay? <laughs> I'll just say it's not my favourite pick in the sector, which is what I've said before. I think look, Woodside is still the main show for me. Right. Um, if you are looking for pure oil exposure, I think crew gas is the way to go. But yeah. let's just leave it there on Santos. Chart isn't great. Okay. We'll All say. right, Michael. Yeah, it's our, our, our exposure really to the energy space. Um, yeah. We have both Woodside and Santos for clients, but mainly Santos. Um, we do like the long-term free cash flow story um, that Santos is looking to deliver. Basically, this company was really struggling going back, you know, probably five, ten years ago. They had a yeah. lot of debt, a lot of US dollar debt. This is when the Aussie dollar was at parity. Um, and they've done a really good job in restructuring the business, getting headcount down, paying off a lot of that debt. Kevin Gallagher, the boss, has done, done a, a really, really good, good job. job. And they're now yep. committing to paying out, I think it's either 30 or 40% of free cash flow out as dividends. And they've got an increasing runway of free cash flow in right. the years to come. So their dividends will kick back in and so, be quite So strong. what you're saying is they've done all the hard work they've, in restructuring. That's right. And now on, it's just going to... That's sort of hive off cash. That's the that's the that's the hope at least. But it does look like they are delivering right. on that strategy quite nicely. Um, we do like the dynamics for the energy market going forward. 
Um, OPEC has really been struggling to meet their production targets. Western oil companies have dropped you know, capex on new exploration by about 25% in the last you know, two or three years. So we do think that there is support and we do think that it is a space that you want to be in. Um, so as Carl pointed out, um, Santos, 35% roughly of their gas goes to the domestic market, the rest goes overseas, and we think that's probably a good thing. Yep. Uh, you're able to capitalise on the high prices overseas and, and the nature of that market as well. Whereas something like Beach is probably 50% of their gas goes domestically, Woodside's yep. down around 20. Um, so we do like that dynamic that's right. in place. So yeah, happy to go a buy on Santos because we do think that over time the share price will be able to generate some decent momentum and start you know, spitting out cash fairly nicely okay. for investors. All right, buy for Santos. Uh, next stock, uh, let's go from energy to insurance, but insurance broking. Uh, Michael Sam wants a view on AUB Group, which is sort of a, a roll-up of insurance brokers, yeah. aren't they? Second biggest? Second biggest, if not maybe the biggest. I don't know. San, um, there's not Santos. Steadfast. Sorry, Steadfast is the other yep. one. We hold Steadfast. We don't hold... AUB, um, but they're both very good businesses and they've been right. benefiting a lot from the increased premiums that have been unfolding across the industry really now over the last couple of years. So you've seen um, AUB as well as Steadfast um, provide some decent profit upgrades in recent times um, and the momentum continues to be strong. So they grow organically, um, but they also grow significantly from acquisitions and AUB has done a lot of acquisitions yeah. in recent times. and recently provided a bit of clarity on the most recent acquisition, which was fairly positive and received positively by the market. So we think it's a fairly conservative space to be in. Customers tend to be pretty sticky. Um, because they're so large, they create the network effects for smaller brokerage houses, um, insurance brokerage houses. Um, there's a lot of you know, synergies to be had by bundling everything together and having it in one processing hub. So I'm happy to go a buy on AUB, but I will flag that we actually hold SDF, um, right. steadfast, steadfast, because we prefer steadfast, trading on slightly better multiples and growing a, a bit okay. quicker. Carl, AUB? Yeah, I, I like it. I like steadfast. I've just had a look at the chart after Michael mentioned it. That's a really nice chart as well. So I could happily go buy on that one also. But I do like uh, AUB. It's, I think it's a really defensive business. So uh, Look, they just clipped the ticket. So some people will go, oh, insurance, that's got to be bad because there's all sorts of floods and natural disasters. It's really not the kind of insurance these guys do. So they're insuring uh, your tractor. If you're a farmer, uh, if you're a financial planner, they're giving you that professional indemnity insurance. Um, most of it's corporate, a little bit of it's um, personal insurance. And the thing is, uh, it's one of those costs you have to have. So you're not, you're not going to get rid of your insurance. If we have a recession, you're not going to get rid of your insurance. But what you might do cost you is shop around. Okay, uh, and that's where these guys come into it. And of course, insurance premiums are going up and they, they're clipping the ticket and getting a little bit of a trailer uh, each time. So the higher that uh, the higher the premiums, the more that comes back to them. So they're in a really, really good place at the moment. Very much a sweet spot for their business. Um, the valuation looks quite reasonable, sort of fair value to slightly cheap for me. Um, and I think the chart looks very good. So I'm with Michael. I'm happy to go buy on, on AUV. Okay. Um, Carl George wants uh, a view on Ansel, the uh, uh, health products manufacturer, of course, and the uh, surgical gloves, but that's only one part of the business. Where surgical gloves is just over a third of their business. So we're uh, well, actually not surgical, so sort of your, your, your one use exam gloves. So right. um, 
somebody comes into a GP office and we've, we all, we've all seen yeah, a GP puts on the gloves. Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly, COVID testing. Um, I saw a stat on their website. It said your average uh, medical practitioner uses 1,200 pairs of Ansel gloves every year. I thought that was wow. extraordinary. Wow. Um, the, look, the rest, but it's not just that. So a lot of people go Ansel, oh, okay, the pandemic's over uh, and therefore they're really struggling. Uh, they've got a whole heap of um, products for industrial and, and chemical applications yeah. as well. Um, and that's that's approximately the other, uh, you know, just, just about the two thirds of the other, the rest of the business. So it is very much, a, it is a cyclical stock in that regard. Um, it does have that benefit of being a little bit defensive on the healthcare side of things. Um, they do sell into China, so I haven't heard anything from the company about that. So we know that there's been a lot of destocking. Like you don't have to be a genius to figure out. We, we need fewer gloves as we come out of this pandemic. But they are selling to China, so we could see some positive news on that. I think the chart looks um, very good. I think the valuation's very fair. Um, I could easily um, add some. I don't think I'm like full on buy here, but I think you can have some exposure. I'll give you a level where you might add a little bit more. So um, it's actually very close. So that high there is 29.37. So let's just give it a little bit of leeway, say 29.50. So happy to put a little bit of risk on it now. The closest above 20, 29.50, I'd, I'd have to happily add a little bit more. A lot of bad news um, sort of out there in the system, a lot of negativity about this stock, which means as we head into earnings season, there is that, uh, that possibility of positive uh, um, surprise. Okay. Uh, Michael? Yeah, interesting business, um, very good quality. Um, they've basically got two sectors. They've got the healthcare part of the business, which makes up probably two thirds, and then the industrial makes up about a third. So it does get lumped in as a healthcare business, although it does have that industrials exposure as well. So they do everything from industrial gloves, surgical gloves, goggles, hazmat suits. like yeah. so quite a diverse range of products and they're very high quality in that they're probably one or two in each of the number one or two in in terms of market share um, in each of the categories categories in which they operate um, so they've gone through this period where they've cycling through high freight costs um, there's also a big glut in gloves uh, yeah. globally because of COVID therefore glove prices filled significantly um, so they have had to, they've had have seen their margins come down, but that glut over time is clearing. But they've done a very good job in moving their customers across to premium products, um, premium products that have a higher margin, um, and they've been very, very good at doing that and maintaining the customers despite the high prices. Which just shows if you're operating in something like a healthcare as a surgeon, you're going to go for quality yeah. over price. So they've probably got that part of the market well and truly sort of cornered in a way. Um, the balance sheet looks very good. They've gone through a restructure over the last five or so years. The valuation looks pretty respectable. So it's hard to not give it a buy. The only thing is in the healthcare space, there's a lot of quality businesses that have come back a long way. Um, CSL, ResMed, Fisher & Paykel would probably be our three preferred healthcare companies, right. uh, just on a long-term basis. Because I think Ansel, though, will continue to grow. It's not gonna grow at the same right. rates as some of those others. Um, it is more of a, a stable, um, you know, safe type company, but the growth rates are unlikely to be exceptional. Um, so for that reason, we have a preference for others. So I'm going to go a hold, uh, but you could easily have it as a buy if you wanted something like that mm. in your portfolio. Okay, but uh, if you're looking at healthcare sort of portion That's, of your portfolio, yeah. uh, CSL, ResMed, Fisher & Paykel, better That's our preferred picks at the moment. Okay. Uh, Carl, were you groaning then? Or? <laughs> no, okay. Um, 
<laughs> uh, Damien wants a view, Michael, on Seven Group Holdings. Now, uh, different to Seven West Media that owns Channel 7, the mm-hmm. West Australian, although Seven Group does have a big stake in Seven, but it's uh, West Track, uh, uh, big stake in Boral Beach. It's like an investment co- list investment company, is it? A bit yeah. like a, a Wes Farmer, but in different groups. Yeah, somewhat of a, a conglomerate, I suppose yeah. you could call it. Um, it's got the West Track, which is the Caterpillar distributors. That's yep. the big chunk of their business, which has been booming significantly. They have the exclusive rights to Caterpillar in WA, which is obviously where a lot of the mining goes on, New South Wales, and I think Northern Territory as well. Um, so, and the ACT, maybe not Northern Territory, I'll, I'll retract that. Uh, but they also own things like yeah, Coates Hire, which has been doing yep. very well in the industrial space. So. Um, the, the question is it's just very difficult to get a read through on how all parts of the business are going and getting all those parts of the business going in the same direction at the same time. Um, but they have been a major beneficiary of the mining boom that has been unfolding at the moment. And also beach energy being in the energy space has added some decent value too. Yep. They do own a big chunk of the seven um, West Media yep. group, I think 30 or 40%. This is vastly majority owned as well by the Stokes family with about 68, 70% of the shares. So you're probably going to get long-term planning, long-term strategic views, which might not suit all shareholders at the same time, but you can probably you know, bank on it that the shareholders' interests or the founders' interests are aligned with the shareholders. Um, from mine, I'm happy to give it a hold at the moment because I do think the momentum in the mining space will continue mm-hmm. for some time and the mining services aspect should continue to drive okay. significant earnings growth around 10, 15% in the near term. Mm. Uh, Carl, what do you think of um, Seven Group Holdings? Pretty, uh, um, pretty good chart. Yeah, chart's great. Yeah, sorry, I think I had some technical difficulties right. over here, Koshi, so hopefully I'm That's back right. and I'm coming through yep. loud and clear. I like the chart. Uh, the only uh, issue with the chart is it's at a major, major point of resistance or supplies, I call it. It's a big high from uh, Feb 22. It, uh, the way, the psychology of, of resistance, uh, a lot of people read about it in textbook, but the way it occurs is when you have this big high from the past, uh, it was looking great there. It, naturally, it was a big high. Uh, people were buying yeah. at that time. Look, world events conspired that the stock price goes down. But we know there are a lot of people that got in at that level, okay? So they're, they're put into a losing position and we all know that feeling of being put into a losing position. For some people, all they want is to get back to break even. Yep. And break even is that old high price. Yep. So not everybody will want to sell there, but some people will. So we see when we get back to that high price, an increase in supply, we know there was demand heading into it because we were going up, but we see that equilibrium come in. So supply starts to equate to demand for a period of time. If there's enough demand in the system, we will break through that resistance and we'll go on to probe higher levels. If there's too much supply at that level, it'll overwhelm uh, demand and we'll come back down again. It's all really quite simple when you think about it in terms of supply and demand. So we're at that key level now. Um, So I'm seeing some black candles coming in and the black candles are, uh, so we're going from bigger picture down to smaller picture now with our candles. It is telling me there's supply at this area. It's not a sell, I don't think it's a sell, 
sell at this stage. I think certainly hold on to it um, because there's not enough supply in the system to say that it, they're overwhelming the demand side. Demand is very strong here. Um, if it was to get through the high, and I'll give you the number here, the high there is uh, 23.29. So if it starts to trade 23.30 and above, you're in the clear. We've gotten rid of that supply. We, we, we're, we're, we're heading higher. Um, and if you don't have it at that stage, I'd be happy to add some to the portfolio. So I think that's pretty right. comprehensive. I think Michael summarised the business side pretty well. Just understand this is a cyclical company. It's not a media company anymore. That's a very small part of what they do. It's very much a mining and infrastructure company. Um, and, and they are cyclical areas okay. of the market. So if mining falls over, I don't think it will, but if mining falls over, seven you, will go down. If you've been in it a while, would you take profits at these levels? Lighten? No, no. no. I, I think just 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 see how it goes here. It's a little bit like the BHP and Rio and, and Fortescue story. They've all moved yeah. exactly the same. In fact, if you overlaid seven, seven yeah. um, group here with the BHP chart or the Fortescue chart, they're almost identical right. because their fortunes are, are, are so closely tied. Right. Um, so, look, it, it's... Until I see something really bad happening up here, I'm, I'm happy to go hold. Okay. All right, let's recap the first five stocks. Stock of the day, Nickel Industry, a hold from both Carl and Michael. It's raising, as it announced this morning. Uh, Carl's basically put a stop loss on it, if you like, of 93 cents. If it gets to 93 cents, well, then uh, it means that the raise hasn't done, done well. Kogan, a hold from Carl, a no from Michael. Uh, Santos, a no from Carl. He prefers Woodside. Um, Michael's favourite amongst the two is Santos and sees it as a buy at this group. Uh, AUB is a buy from both, although in this sector, uh, Michael prefers Steadfast to, uh, to AUB. Uh, Ansel, uh, an ad at these levels for uh, Carl, um, a hold from Michael. Healthcare sector, he reckons better opportunities in CSL, ResMed, Fisher and Paykel, uh, and Seven Group, a hold from both. Um, here on the call, we've been following our own High Conviction Fantasy Fund, as picked by our investment committee, uh, which before Christmas, early December, um, looked at the portfolio. They removed Babcorp and Domino's, and they added Index and Janison Education, and they increased the weighting on elders. Uh, since the 1st of March last year, uh, the fund is up 12%. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, this half hour, Charter Hall REIT uh, is up for adjudication. Alcidian, AGL, Combank and Novanix. Um, Michael, Jeremy wants a view on the Charter Hall Real Estate Investment Trust. Yeah, so look, at, along with Goodman Group, this has been the best um, sort of property performer yep. over sort of a decade or so. Um, you have to understand it's been a pretty good environment for all these property companies. Um, obviously, interest rates being so low and the, the property market booming. Um, but there's been a reality check, as you can see, uh, yep. in more recent times with the outlook looking a bit more clouded. You have to understand with Charter Hall um, CHC that you're not only getting exposure to the underlying funds that Charter Hall runs, but you're also getting 
um, exposure to the management company. Yeah. So Charter Hall, um, this particular CHC, owns about 6% on average of all the funds that Charter Hall has out in the market. And that's your typical right. real estate investment trust where you're getting a unit in a trust that owns a building or multiple buildings. But with this particular exposure, you're getting access to not only that part of the business, but the actual ongoing operations of the company. Right. Yep. So often what they'll do is they'll find a site, um, they'll find someone who wants to buy the site once it's been built, and they'll find someone that wants to be a tenant of that site. They'll put together that deal, and then once it's all been developed and built, they'll then remain as the manager on that property, retaining management fees. Um, so it's been a very successful business model for Goodman Group and for Charter Hall. Their balance sheet looks pretty good, although it is more geared than it typically would okay. be, around 35%. Um, the question is, what is the outlook? They've got 98% occupancy. They've got very high quality tenants in a lot of their properties. So they will probably you know, be able to ride out this cycle fairly well and come out the other side. But I just wouldn't expect that the property market over the next five years will do as well as it's done right. over the last five years. Um, these property REITs as well tend to trade um, on, a, on a, they have to trade at the margin over the cash rate. Obviously, as the cash rate's gone up, the expected distribution yield on a lot of these REITs has increased. But if your incomes from the REITs aren't growing as much, then you're going to get a fall in capital prices or share prices. And that's what you've seen for a lot of those real estate investment trusts out there, because I think the expectation is the market's now demanding a bit more yield for their investment. Um, so from my standpoint, I'm going to go hold on Charter right. Hall. I think it is good quality, but I think there's still some challenging times ahead for the property space overall. And let, yeah, and interest rates will continue to, to grind yeah. higher a little bit. Same with Goodman? Goodman's the same. We probably prefer right. Goodman slightly over Charter Hall, but right. happy to have, um, yeah, happy to keep both of those on the watch right, list. Because they're the two. Yeah, the premium ones. ones. Yeah. Um, Carl, Charter Hall read. I agree with everything Michael said. I think he gave the viewers a really good summary of what they do and the challenges that are facing them, in particular with interest rates. So it's kind of no fault of their own. It's it's you know external to the business what the level of the interest rate is, and they get unfortunately REITs in general get compared back to that. Um, typically because they they also tend to have um, high gearing as well. It's just the one of the parts of the business model. Um, the great thing about CHC is it's got very very low gearing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a very high quality company. If you if you're shopping for a REIT, they are beaten down. Uh, mm. So we talked to out at the start how a lot of stocks are at the top of their range these ones are very much at the bottom of their range um, i do need to see them turn up before i buy them uh, yeah. they'll have their time again i mean it's just not their time right now isn't it uh, but this is this is one you would look for gmt i agree and the other one is lifestyle communities a little bit mm. different but um, still very very high quality i'm, I'm with um, uh, michael on a hold look the last couple of times I've been on, I've called it a sell for all the reasons we've talked about. But I think the chart has just turned around enough now flattened out to call it a hold. Okay. All right. Uh, step in the right direction. Uh, Michael Aaron wants a view on Alcidian, the uh, uh, the healthcare um, software business. Yes, yeah, so this is a company we've held probably for a couple of years, if not maybe slightly longer. We wrote it all the way up and it's sort of come back all the way down. It's a good quality sort of hybrid tech healthcare type company looking to help hospitals improve the efficiencies of operating a hospital. So things like, you know, you remember the old clipboard at the end of the bed, yeah. changing that system so that it's all done um, in a digital sense. Um, so doctors are able to monitor 
patients better. You know, nurses are able to monitor which medications have been given to each patient, things like that. Um, they did take on a fairly large acquisition at the, around the peak of the market and did issue a lot of new shares to fund that acquisition. And that has probably impacted the company in the short term and potentially a bit value destructive. Um, but it's a company we still like. Um, we still think it has potential. Uh, but it's the problem for a business like this. It had you know, negative cash flow. It had no earnings, although the revenue was growing very quickly. And it's just the, the wrong company in the wrong market at the wrong mm. time. That's obviously the part of the market that's been decimated the most. Yep. Um, however, the company is now cash flow positive um, as of last quarter. Their revenue numbers, their revenue growth numbers are very, very strong. Um, they've got a lot of recurring revenue as well as a big chunk of their business. So the, the visibility and, and the look through on their earnings and their sort of revenue profile is pretty good. And this company should turn, um, it should turn earnings profitable in around sort of 2024, probably next year. Next and year. they're on that okay. trajectory very much so. Um, so from our standpoint, we still have a buy on it. They continue to win new contracts. But also a good indication is when existing customers are not only you know, adhering to their existing contracts, but taking on more. So they're growing not only from existing customers, but from new customers as well. And they've been updating the market with new contracts along the way. So it's a, it, look, it is definitely a higher risk proposition. If the market goes through a tough, challenging period, a business like this will come under a lot of pressure. But from a long-term standpoint, they continue to tick the boxes um, and they continue to emerge as a pretty you know, successful mm. and and okay. um, solid company. So I'm going to go a buy on that one. Okay, Carl, Alcidian. Yeah, I can't can't get to buy in the chart. The chart is look, it's still definitely long term downtrend sort of stuff. I can see how it is flattening out a little bit. Um, maybe forget the sort of zoomed out chart that might show it a little bit more. But it's yeah, there you go. So you can see this huge, huge decline. Look, part of it is, um, as Michael said, the acquisition. The other part of it is just people just wouldn't tolerate these pie in the sky valuations for tech stocks through 2022. Yep. Um, if we can get back to that environment where it's all gangbusters again for tech, then I think there's a very um, strong probability it, it can do quite well um, because I agree with everything Michael said about the, the, the operational side of things. So it is, you know, bottom left, top right on revenues. They've struggled to convert that revenue growth into to meaningful growth in um, EBITDA at this stage. They, they probably will go profitable, I agree, in, in 2024. Trading about 115 times that year's earnings. So don't forget, we're in FY23. You've got all the risk and all the things that can go wrong in the world to get to FY24, and then it's trading at 150 times that year's earnings. There is some growth in the business. It'll be 65 times the, next, the year after that, if everything goes to plan. So with the chart not screaming by, um, I don't mind the operational side of things, but the valuation, I just don't think it's that compelling right now. Um, I'm struggling, I'm tossing up between hold or sell. I'll go hold and back back Michael's better judgment on this one. Right. Okay. Thanks, Carl. All right, <laughs> there we go. That's the team spirit, Carl. Um, now, Mary wants a view, Carl, on AGL Energy, the uh, the big energy provider. Uh, yeah, look, I, I put this one in the too hard basket in a couple of ways. Uh, the chart, doesn't look good enough for me to be compelled to tell Think Markets clients to buy it. That's the most important thing. Uh, the second thing is it's so complex. The business is so complex in terms of what's happening on the regulation side of things. Yeah. Uh, and you need to be a bit of an energy markets expert 
or an AGL analyst to really get this thing. And, and that's not me. So I'm going to be upfront with viewers and say, hey, I'm not an expert on this thing. Um, so I'll defer to the charts and, and the broker consensus. And it's from the broker consensus numbers that I then do a little bit of um, uh, Excel magic and get my personal valuation. So I came up with a fair value target of 795, which is give or take here, it may be a little bit of upside. So I don't think it's expensive. Um, the broker, broker consensus is at 871. So brokers are a bit more optimistic or they're just using um, a lower discount rate yeah. than I applied um, or a higher target PE. Uh, I'll just, just kind of reiterate that for viewers, very important. The lower your discount rate, the higher your valuation is going to be. Yeah. Okay. The higher discount rate, the lower valuation. So I've used a, high, a, a higher discount rate than the brokers, just because I see a few more risks in the business. In terms of your target PE, obviously it's the other way around. The lower the target PE, no, I should say the lower the target PE, the higher the hurdle it is to overcome. So that'll make it harder. Anyway, bottom line is brokers are at 871. I'm at 795. Um, the chart doesn't say buy. I can go hold. Okay, uh, Michael. Um, the problem is that in a market, the politicians are focusing on at the moment. Yeah, it's, it? it's a tough, <laughs> tough space to be. It's too hard. It always, too it's, hard. it's always been quite complex. Um, it's very difficult to extract a competitive advantage in gas and electricity retailing. Yeah. Um, where you are able to generate some competitive advantage is when you are looking at sort of the electricity generation, um, either through coal or gas. Yeah. And AGL in many ways is moving away from that part of the business. Um, so they are in many ways sacrificing a strong competitive advantage that they had, which was low base, low cost base load yeah. coal fired power. Um, and as Carl rightly points out, the, 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 the government is looking at price caps on this space. Um, many do forecast that the electricity prices will continue to, to move higher and potentially even sort of go up 25 to 50% in the coming years, just looking at the, the backdrop. But again, I, I'm not willing to step up to the plate. There's obviously a bit yeah. of corporate um, action going on at the moment um, with Cannon Brooks and the like looking at this business and who knows where that might all end. And it might end up being a great positive for shareholders. You might get a premium yeah. for, for some acquisition or some takeover. But from my standpoint, it's Pretty complex and a bit uncertain given the government's prowling around at the moment. Okay. So I know from you. I know from me. Okay. All right. Nick wants a view, um, Michael, on the Commonwealth Bank, the biggest of the big four of our major banks. What do you think of Commonwealth? Yeah, it most expensive bank in the yep. world, um, <laughs> most expensive bank on our market, um, and, and potentially rightly so. It's had many years of, of successive earnings and Earnings growth over a long period of time, dividends have grown the most, and even recently, the margins that they're able to extract um, are significantly higher than many of their peers. In the recent quarterly update, um, basically they saw, I think, a 21 basis point margins, or at least that was the, that was the analysis, um, given they didn't announce it specifically, um, but relative to the peers who saw uplifts of around 15, 16 basis points in margins, but just looking at the broader banking sector, putting Commonwealth Bank aside, which arguably is the best quality of the lot, um, I just think the outlook is changing. Um, going back to the you know early 2000s, credit growth was 15 to 17% per annum. That's come down to about 7% at the moment. And this we're at sort of towards a peak of the recent cycle, given interest rates have been so low. So credit growth is a lot slower than it was when these banks were growing rapidly. 
Um, and I just think the outlook for the banks in terms of earnings, in terms of return on equity, in terms of dividends growth is somewhat limiting and it's very hard to get overly excited. So happy to have a hold for the banks at the moment because we are going through a fairly favourable dynamic with margins getting revised higher. But in, you know, in 12, 18 months or so, competition for deposits will heat up and some of those easy margin gains, I think, will become more difficult. Okay. Um, bad debts will increase, we would think, over the next you know, 12, 18 months, but it's only going to be about 0.7, you know, 0.5% of total loan book. I think the GFC got up to 0.7. So there are, the expectations are bad debts will be you know, fairly benign and a lot below the GFC. So I don't see that being too much of an okay. issue. I'm happy to go a hold, not too excited on the long-term buy. Um, Carl, a bit earlier in the week, we um, NAB came up um, on the panel. Maitan Sambasandaran said, ComBank, always great, never gets above. If it gets around 105 bucks, you just sell it uh, because it never seems to break through that. Well, it's 107 now uh, today. What do you reckon? That chart, five-year high, and to back Maitan up on the five-year Point, it does seem to get to this level and then come back again all the time. Yeah, look, it's, it is. It's a training range. We talked about this a few times on the show today. So you've got your BHP's reason for excuse there in a training range. The yep. banks are in a big trading range as well. And they're at the top of the range. So look, there's nothing in the chart necessarily to suggest you, you, you want to sell some, but I don't mind the idea. Okay, right. so if it is pushing 110, and again, viewers, watch out for these black candles. I know it sounds like gobbledygook, but yep. do a little bit of research. Go pull up some charts and see what happens when those big black handles appear. It means there's there's a downturn on the way. So if you see those coming in around 10 or the shadows, the, the line bits of the candles pointing up also indicates supply coming into the market, overwhelming demand that was there. Um, so I don't mind the idea. Look, I'm a hold on CBA. I agree with Michael. It's a bit of a purple patch at the moment because you've got the they've got this ability to obviously pay us less on our deposits. As they're increasing the rates, they are paying us but they're increasing um, the rates they're paying us at a far slower rate than what they're increasing sure the rates that we, we, we pay them, okay? Hey, you can't blame them, Koshi. It's, it's the oldest trick in the book. It's how they make money. Um, it's good for shareholders at least, right? Yep. Uh, it's good for, good for um, the, the tax man as well, I guess, in, in the taxes they pay. So let's, uh, let's not begrudge them that. I'm just looking at my comparisons here. So um, for viewers, who have CBA happy with it technically. Fundamentally, it is the most expensive. Broke consensus suggests it's 12% overvalued. So there's mm. about 15 brokers that cover it. And if you look at their average price target, it's 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 12% below. So wow. it does make you wonder, hey, if the vast majority of brokers think it's up to 12% overvalued, who the hell's buying it? Because somebody's yeah. buying it, right? Um, so clients aren't listening to their brokers. That's the message. Clients, the, the big fund managers, they have to buy something, Koshi, on our yeah. market. And by market cap, uh, your index funds end up here anyway. So that probably explains to a small point why they're overvalued. But they're all overvalued. So this is, um, uh, well, broker, broker consensus here actually says the other ones are about right. But my, my numbers would say that they're, they're all overvalued. Um, if you have to pick one, I know it's not the big four, but I think Bendigo represents the best growth oh. value and yield proposition out of all okay. of them. If you're specifically looking for, for looking for the big four, I like Westpac. That would be okay. my pick out of the big four. It, just right. to add something quickly, look, you look at the PE of CBA, 19 times earnings on a dividend yield of 3.6%. It's not seeing that much earnings growth come through right. in the next few years. So from a valuation standpoint, it starts to get pretty 
tough for it to move higher. Something like Macquarie's on 14 times earnings pays the same dividend yield and growing a lot quicker over the, the long term you would so think. So would you take a profit on CBA? Well, I, I, I know that's heresy for brokers Look, we, <laughs> we, we suggest people trim. A lot of people have these massive yeah, yeah. weightings. So you can trim. trim. Um, right. I like a lot of people look forward to that dividend, but you can get 6% on a Commonwealth Bank or 5% on a Commonwealth Bank you know, bonds which matures in five years or yep. so. Okay. So the yeah, the yield right. support's not very good at the moment. All right. Uh, final one. We need to whip through this a bit, uh, Michael. Uh, Josh wants a view on Novanix. Um, Josh saying it seems to have bottomed out. It's in the battery materials and technology company. It's got this um, lithium-ion battery industry that uh, it operates across fourteen countries. Yeah, so basically at the moment, um, looks to, to make the anodes used in, I think, 90% of electric vehicles. Yep. Uh, they're also looking to get, um, you know, grid size storage, bat- storage batteries going as well. Um, but they, the main ge- revenue generated at the moment, I think, is primarily from the battery testing. And then Carl's probably knows a bit more about this company than I do, just to, to be honest off the bat. Um, but they are looking to, you know, expand the company significantly um, and looking to sort of make sure they're aligned very much to the uh, electric vehicle story that's out there. So they've got plenty of cash in the bank, just looking at it quickly compared to their cash burn rate. So they yeah. should be able to, to fund this transition into a, a um, producer, if you like, in the next few years, but time will tell. They'll let Carl provide a bit more colour because it's not one that's high on my list. Okay. All right. Uh, Carl, has it bottomed out? I don't think so. Look, let me preface this by saying what I've said every other time I've covered Novonix, and I've covered it many times. Look, I really like the company, but the chart's doing this, so I can't buy it. And until the chart turns up, I can't uh, express my, uh, you know, uh, desire to be an investor at some stage by actually buying it. So I don't think so. I think that's the unfortunate thing for Josh. I mean, everybody looks at things differently, but I hopefully I've got a more seasoned eye when it comes to the charts to, to define what bottom out means. So bottom out for me, I need to see my long-term trends turn up. You know, viewers will know my traffic light system. It's still very much red. Red is danger. Um, the, the short-term trend is back to orange. So that's a start, like that's good news. But that long-term trend would at least need to go to orange. I need to see a bunch of wonderful white candles coming in, higher peaks and higher troughs. We're not there yet. Uh, Michael gave you a great uh, overview of what the business is doing. The key sort of hurdles for 2023, we want to see some production. They haven't given us much news apart from saying, hey, it's Q1 2023, that's now. Um, but we haven't had any updates. So we we'll right. want to see how that's going. The goal is to, to get to 10,000 kilotons per annum by the end of this year. Then we're hopefully going to get some sales and FY24, we could see it actually make some money. So there's so much that needs to, uh, water that needs to pass under the bridge. There's so much funding they still need to secure to, to get the ramp up that's planned right. that's really going to make this an investment grade proposition. So it's still very early and that's why the market is not showing it the respect okay. that it might deserve down the track. So um, I've been sell, sell, sell last three times i've gone sell 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 i'm going to go to hold i'm going to oh. you know i'm going to say if you've got it hold it There's, it's turned okay. up enough to get to hold but not a buy yet okay let's recap the final five stocks charter hall uh read a hold from both carl and michael alcidian uh, a hold from carl a buy from michael agl a hold from carl a no from michael cba a hold from both and novonics uh, a hold from Carl and a no from Michael. Carl Capolinga from Think Markets, great to have you aboard again as usual. 
Thanks for your time. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, uh, pleasure. Michael Wayne from Adonium Financial. Mate, have a good rest of the day. Thanks for having See me. Uh, that's our show for today. If you'd like any stocks for me to put to our expert panel, put them in an email as usual to call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiztv handle. Um, see you same time tomorrow. Coming up next on Osbiz Small Caps. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.